0: Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you uplift other people's stories across the spectrum. My guest this week is Rachel Janfaza, and she is a journalist covering youth political culture, as well as the founder and writer of The Up and Up, which is a newsletter focused on Gen Z political news and insights. As a journalist interested in politics, I absolutely loved this conversation that I had with Rachel back in September, and I am so excited to share it with you today. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Rachel Janfaza.
1: My name is Rachel Jan and I am a journalist covering young voters and youth political culture. I have a newsletter, it's called The Up and Up and um, I cover the way that young people are organizing, mobilizing and participating in civic life and politics or on the contrary, how and why they're not which is also really important. Um, And beyond that, I freelance all along this feed. So I've written for places like most recently um, the New York Times. Um, and regularly in Teen Vogue and places like Cosmo, Glamour, Elle, um, and prior to that, I was an associate writer on the CNN Politics team, covering young voters, campaigns, and breaking news. And so, so essentially, I when I was in college, um, it was you know I, I, my freshman year was um, the 2016 presidential election, and I saw the way that politics and policy were impacting the lives of myself and my friends and there was a lot of social activism taking place uh on campus around me and across the country and I always loved to write um and just started writing about it and so this was right around the time of things like uh the tragic parkland school shooting and the march for our lives that followed and um there were protests for climate action and um for racial justice and uh, for um, immigrant rights and all sorts of types of issues. And, and of course, the women's marches uh, that followed after President Trump was um, his inauguration. And so essentially, I just started writing about the ways that my friends and um, people around me were were taking action. Um, and I also, when I was in college, studied abroad in London and covered at the time um, the youth-led movement against Brexit, which was unfolding. And then when I came back to my senior year of college, I wrote my thesis on the role of social media and youth-led social movements between the years of 2010 and 2020. So this was pre-COVID, so a lot has changed since then. But I did four case studies that looked at the way that different social media platforms were used through movements like the Dreamers movement, Black Lives Matter movement of 2014 and 2015, the March for Our Lives and uh, gun safety movement in the wake of uh, tragic mass shootings, and then climate activism and calls for, for climate justice. And through that thesis, I was able to really develop a better understanding of the way that our generation and the generation that came before us, millennials, were organizing and the types of issues that were riling us up and getting us to take action. Um, and then I was really fortunate to be able to cover young voters in the lead up to the 2020 election, um, which was something that not many people were doing at the time. And I have sort of always felt that as a result of these sort of once-in-a-lifetime events that have colored the perspective of members of our generation paired with our ability to document it in real time on social media and watch it unfold and respond and react to others who were documenting it as well, uh, our generation has had this really unique set of circumstances that has, uh, shaped our perspective. So now, uh, since leaving CNN at the end of, uh, uh, last year, I um or about about a year ago, um I launched a newsletter to really cover this full time, and I'm just you know trying to write as much as possible about the various initiatives that are going around on around us. Um, and then in addition to that, I've been doing a bit of research into more of the uh, political psyche of. Uh, students and um, and young people across the country holding some listening sessions on high school and college campuses um, and spending time talking to folks who maybe aren't thinking so much about capital P politics, but are able to eloquently articulate the ways that policy has impacted their lives on the day to day, even if they may not necessarily consider themselves to be super political.
0: Thank you so much for that introduction and the background about your work, Rachel. And I am so excited to learn more about the work that you're doing. So tell me more about your newsletter, The Up and Up. Can you tell me about the background of the newsletter? And can you also share some of the topics that you're covering in the newsletter? I think it's such an interesting project, so I would love to know more. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So the reason I started the Up and Up is
1: because I felt like there were a lot of stories uh, about the movement that was going on in the youth political space that don't necessarily uh, make for a headline on a major news outlet, but if we don't pay attention to sort of the everyday happenings of this particular uh, intersection. Then we're sort of missing out on the on the overarching story. So my goal with the up and up is I publish on an irregular cadence when news merits, covering the ways that. Young people across the country are taking action in civic life and politics, and I also try to pepper in uh, sentiment from folks who maybe aren't so politically active or oriented to talk about why they maybe feel disillusioned by our political system, because there are a ton of young people who feel like politics doesn't represent them, and, you know, for good reason, there are not many young elected officials, and And oftentimes the older elected officials who are in positions of power aren't actually reaching out to young people. So the goal of the up and up is really to be a voice for young people uh, to share how they're thinking about certain political issues, social issues um, and current events. Uh, So, for example... Um, of a recent edition that I did. Um, last week, Senator Mitt Romney made a bold statement by saying he will not seek reelection in 2024, saying that it's time for young leaders to take the reins. And so I reached out to some young politico type people uh to hear how they are responding to that and what they make of it. So, for example, I spoke with a young Republican who usually is a bit more conservative than um. Then Senator Romney, who is often seen more as, you know, these days more of a moderate within his party, um, who said that he actually really agreed with the senator for making this statement, Um, excited about a new generation coming in. Um, I also spoke to two young Democrats who were also similarly excited, though one of the young women I spoke with said that, She, you know, does think that, you know, age doesn't really have much to do with it. And there are some older representatives who she identifies with and and who she really likes. I've also covered the launch of Gen Zers who have launched campaigns for Congress. Most recently, a Democrat in Texas, Isaiah Martin, launched a campaign for Congress. So I covered that. Uh, Prior to that, I wrote about young Republicans chiming in ahead of the first Republican debate over the summer. Um, And that was actually held in the the Young America's Foundation, partnered with the Republican National Committee um, to bring youth perspective and engagement into the first debate. So I I wrote about that. Um, And, you know, while young people overwhelmingly lean to the left, I do try to cover the spectrum of of young people and of young people in politics. Um, I will say that, you know, Oftentimes, I am covering issues um, that are top of mind for young people, which end up being issues that the Democratic Party is championing or uh, progressive, you know, policy points such as gun violence prevention or reproductive health care access or climate action or college affordability. Um, but this is a, a nonpartisan, um, you know, just a, a glance at taking a look at the issues that are top of mind for young people.
0: That's so interesting. And I would also love to know more about the research that you've been doing into Gen Z voting habits. Of course, every generation is different from the ones that came before, but you've talked about how we've grown up with social media and some members of Gen Z are using social media as a platform to share opinions, raise awareness about issues and have political conversations. Based on your research and your reporting, can you tell me about how Gen Z is unique when it comes to voting and political participation and activism and how we are and we might continue to shape politics, particularly in the U.S.? Big question there, I know. Lots of things to cover.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started the up and up um, and I told people, you know, I cover Gen Z and its politics, this was just a year ago. And I would often get a puzzled look that was like, you know, why, what makes Gen Z any different to your point? Every generation is different. And so what's unique about this generation. And also there's this overarching sentiment that young people in America don't vote at the rates of our older counterparts. And, you know while that's still true and youth voter turnout is still relatively low in compared to when you compare it to, you know, uh, older folks, it has been relatively high for the past three election cycles. And so that's worth noting. Um, and that's something that I've been paying attention to. And so that sort of, you know, sparked my desire to lean into this area more and, I think that over the course of the past year, um, after the 2022 midterm elections and after elections like the Wisconsin Wisconsin State Supreme Court election, in which there was high energy from young people in the state um, to elect um, the liberal judge, now State Supreme Court Justice Janet. Um, there have been multiple instances, and also, of course, in, in 2020, when high youth voter turnout helped propelled President Biden to the presidency. Um, there just has been repeated sort of, you know, evidence that our generation is tuning in, is paying attention, is showing up both in the streets, also online and at the ballot box. And so, you know, I think sort of to your point of, you know, what my research whether it be quantitative, uh, that I've sort of analyzed or like the qualitative anecdotal research that I've done, what I've found is that our generation is hyper aware of what's going on around us and in our communities. And so while we're living in a very crowded news ecosystem, where we may not know exactly where to turn to, to get our news, we are constantly inundated with, uh, an influx of information every time we open our phone. And for many people, even before they open their phone, because they get news alerts from X, Y, or Z uh, publication or outlets or messages from their friends. And so, you know, we're a generation that was born just before or just after 9-11. We came of age during a period of crises, um, whether it was a 20 year war or Hurricane Katrina or the 2008 financial crisis or school shootings, mass shootings, climate change, COVID-19 movements such as Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, we are a generation that grew up on social media and started paying attention to politics during a hyper-polarized time when uh, after the 2016 election, President Trump was in the White House and started signing policies quickly um, via executive order. And also we were able to witness this in real time using our phones. And so when people look at our generation overall, they say, you know, oh, like, you know, people think they're' imp- we're impatient or oversensitive but in reality um what I found is that our generation is really just fed up with the status quo and looking to either make change or advocate for change um, and now uh members of our generation are, are running for office themselves so and I'm not sure if that you know answers exactly your question but those are sort of the the trends that I've seen, and then to the research point, um, I was part of this post-midterm election research project last year with um, the Walton Family Foundation, a group called Murmuration, and um, a group called Social Sphere, and a pollster named John De La Volpe, and what we found in that research, and this has um, been true of other research that looks at and examines Gen Z and its politics, is that there are many young people who don't identify with either one party or another, and in reality, a lot of people fall somewhere more in the middle, and yet there are issues that our generation have been directly affected by that we are paying close attention to, such as life affordability and the economy, or um, reproductive healthcare access, or uh gun violence or climate action. And so because these are issues that the Democratic Party currently is leaning into and, you know, working on solutions for young people are voting for Democrats, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they consider themselves Democrats. So I think that that's something that has come up a lot in my research, showing that it's really about policy over party.
0: That's really interesting. And I think that's also really hopeful for just the fundamental system of democracy. I think especially in the US, we've seen some very polarized elections recently, and I think we see a lot of polarization on social media and in the news sometimes. So I think that's really hopeful. Just for the system of our government as far as just people being in the middle like that. So you also mentioned how lots of young people want to make change and want to make a difference, but some of them may not know how to get started with that work. What advice would you want to share for those people who may be listening?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a great question. and. Oftentimes, in conversations I'm having with young people, they'll say something as simple as, I don't know how to register to vote, to, um, you know, I see this issue in my community, but I don't really know where to start. So... Um, I'll just give an anecdote um, of a young woman I spoke with in um, down in Miami um, at the end of last year, um, because I think her experience can kind of serve as an inspiration for other young people who are looking to get involved. So she lives um, in um, Opalaka, Miami, and um, she was noticing that there were a lot of issues in her community or even celebrations and events that she wanted to be a part of, but she noticed that young people uh, nearby didn't know that these things were happening in the community and she thought it was because the the city um city council or city government wasn't effectively communicating with young people so they they didn't have an Instagram presence or they weren't on social media and so she decided to go to the uh to the city council meeting and advocate for um the you know the local uh government to start promoting these types of events on social media because she thought that that would help to better engage young people in the community so that they could actually see that these things were even happening um and so she took the initiative she went there she said you know if no one else is going to do this i mean if 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 i'm not going to do this no one else is and so um that's one example of her standing up for and advocating and you know that's not a political issue that's literally her just saying like there are events and happenings going on in our community and the young people don't know about it because we're not being communicated to. And so I'm gonna stand up and suggest that uh, the people who are in charge come to talk to us where we are and reach us on social media. Um, so that's sort of one anecdote that you know maybe could serve as inspiration. And beyond that, I would just say like, if there is a issue that you care particularly about, it doesn't matter what side of the issue you are on, um, and you do a bit of research and try and find the others in your community who are talking about these issues, uh, reach out and have conversations and have those conversations across party lines, too, because that's how, you know, most productive conversations can happen. So, um I would just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a journalist, so I'm more focused on the storytelling aspect of this. But I do think that it's all about conversation and about uplifting other people's stories and uh, sharing different perspectives across the spectrum.
0: As a journalist and the host of this podcast, which has allowed me to speak to so many Gen Z changemakers, I really enjoyed this conversation with Rachel, and I'm inspired by the work she's doing to highlight Gen Z perspectives. I think Rachel summed up the role of journalists so well at the end of our conversation when she talked about the importance of having conversations, uplifting other people's stories, and sharing different perspectives across the political spectrum. Rachel seeks out Republicans, Democrats, and everyone in between for her stories to share their perspectives, which is so important, particularly in today's media landscape. I think Rachel's story and her work as a journalist are great examples and reminders of how change comes when you uplift other people's stories across the spectrum. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And you can find Rachel on Instagram at Rachel Janfaza to get connected with her. You can also find The Up and Up at The.Up and Up on Instagram. And I also shared the link to the website for The Up and Up in the description of this episode. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at Lily at BeTheChangePodcast.org or on Instagram at BeTheChangePodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye guys.